0: Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified Jesus. We have been following Him for and through the last 24 hours of His life. So, we're painfully aware that not only has Jesus had no sleep, these hours have been filled with, with such brutality, it's hard to believe that Jesus is actually still alive, it would have been really hard for him to breathe on the cross, much less to to speak, and yet Jesus does. Jesus cries out from the cross, and it's a prayer. It's his second prayer, actually. The first one that he uttered was quite remarkable. In light of all that had happened to him, from all of his enemies, the brutality that he experienced both physically and emotionally, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And it's crazy awesome, because it reminds you and me that God never gives up on us. Like, it doesn't matter how badly we have wounded God and hurt God. Uh, God is is there. Jesus' second prayer, the one from our text, it's both intimate and disturbing. The first part is is really intimate. Uh, Jesus cries out, and he claims God. You are my God in the same way that that God had claimed him. And there's at least two occasions where God speaks to Jesus and says, you are my son. You are mine. And as I thought about this, it reminded me of the conversations that I have with couples um, who are wanting to get married and who have asked me to officiate for them. And so we had this serious conversation about the wedding vows. What I want them to understand uh, is that what they are about to do is give their lives away. They're about to give themselves to the other person in a rather beautiful and amazing way. (laughs) When I got my first uh, cell phone, I I discovered that I could choose my favorite songs and use them as ringtones and I could attach them to my favorite people. And so um, the one that I chose for my wife Chan was Tom Petty's song, Here Comes My Girl. And I'd really love to sing it for you, but I've been warned against that. But, but, the, but the song is, it's the title. Here Comes My Girl, guitar, guitar, guitar. Here Comes My Girl. Oh, she looks so right and she is all that I need and So every time Chan would call me, Tom Petty would sing, Here Comes My Girl, and it would make me smile, not only because that was one of my favorite songs, because Chan is my girl. She's mine. I said to her 33 years ago, I, Keith, take you, Chan, to be my wife to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. And then I said to her, this is my solemn vow. And she said the same thing to me. Like, I'm giving my life to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. I will be with you until you breathe your last breath. It's that kind of commitment. It's that kind of covenant. It's that kind of love. It's a fierce love, a jealous love. It's godly love. And I think that's why the second part of Jesus' prayer Uh, is so troubling for us. Uh, Jesus cries out to God, Why have you forsaken me? That Greek word uh, that's translated forsake, it also means to leave behind, to abandon, to desert. So Jesus is praying, My God, my God, where are you? Why have you left me? And, you know, sometimes that's our prayer, too. One of the, the saints of the church, uh, John of the Cross, um, was a, a Carmelite monk in 16th century Spain. And John of the Cross had this insatiable longing for Jesus. He, he called him his bridegroom and the lover of his soul. And so as a young man, he devoted himself to being a monk. He devoted himself to to serving God. Um, He was committed to the disciplines of poverty, of of, of course, of prayer and fasting and solitude and silence. And he created this space so that he could engage um, in contemplative prayer and uh, really contemplate on the goodness and the beauty of God Uh, he was deeply in love with God. He served as a nurse in the hospital in Jesus' name. He taught poor children how to read. He provided spiritual direction to thousands of people. But he was also a reformer. He was a major figure in the Counter-Reformation, and he brought spiritual renewal and reform to the Catholic Church in Spain but he got himself in trouble. You know, not everybody was pleased with his, his passion and his ideas and the change that he was trying to bring, and so he was arrested, and he was jailed in a monastery. And the regiment that they, uh, that they gave to him, like, it was brutal, too. He was in this tiny cell. It was probably less than 10 feet by 6 feet, They would pull him out of that cell at least once a week, and before the entire community, they would brutally flog him and give him lashings. He would be in extreme isolation and would just be stifled in this space. And they fed him bread and water, and occasionally they would give him a scrap of salt fish. Well, John described this confinement, this dark closet, uh, as dark night of the soul, and he knew that he was being tortured because he loved the Lord so much, and so he prayed in this space night and day, and yet the Lord didn't rescue him. He prayed to be delivered, and yet his prayers went unanswered. He desperately sought the light of God's blessing. But he was imprisoned in this dark hole for over nine months. And you know how he responded? In his despair, John of the Cross composed love poems to Jesus. Even though he didn't feel a sense of God's loving presence... Even though it seemed that God had abandoned him, he worshiped the Lord anyway with great reverence and affection and devotion. And he didn't have anything to write with, no pen, no paper. And so he would memorize these prayers of his heart. And when he escaped, he finally escaped Uh, he was able to write them down, these poems and these books, and he shared them with the world, uh, with with priests and with nuns and uh, anybody who um, who would read them. His most famous poem was The Dark Night. And we're familiar with this concept of the dark night of the soul when you're in this dark place and you feel abandoned by God and you wonder why God is allowing all of these things to happen to you. For centuries, hundreds of years, his poem and the commentary that goes with it, it helped people understand uh, the lament of the psalmists, like uh, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? I'm not sure if it's possible to to fully understand what's going on with Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus. How can Jesus feel abandoned by God? How could God do that? Theologians have debated this for a long time. What actually is going on? Mark says that at noon darkness covered the whole land for three hours. And then Jesus prayed his prayer. He gave a loud cry and he breathed his last, seemingly completely alone. And in the darkness, the curtain of the temple It tears in two. Now, the curtain of the temple was that veil that separated uh, the Holy of Holies uh, from the holy place. The Holy of Holies was the most sacred place. No one was allowed to go in except the high priest, and then only once a year. The high priest would sacrifice a bull um, before he went in. to to offer atonement for his sins and for the sins of his family and that he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would make a sacrifice. He would sacrifice a goat for the sins of the people. He would make atonement for all the people of God. The writer of the letter of Hebrews gives us some theology around it. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Therefore, my friends... Leonard Sweet in his book Soul Salsa uh, tells a story about a tribe of of Native Americans who had this uh, rather uh, peculiar practice of training young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, he was blindfolded and then taken miles away from the tribe. When he took the blindfold off, he would discover that he was deep in a thick wood and he had to stay there all night, all by himself, so that every time a, a, a twig snapped, uh, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a, a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he, wonder, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. And so after what seemed like an eternity, the, uh, the first rays of sunlight began to, to break through the interior of the forest. And he looks around and he sees flowers and, and trees and the outline of the path. And then, to his utter astonishment, he saw a figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow, It was the boy's father who had been standing there all night long. We come to this table today, and it's good to remember Jesus' last words from the Gospel of Matthew. And remember, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because his love is a fierce love. It's a jealous love. It's a godly love. Amen. Let us pray together. O oh, great God of heaven, you who created light from darkness, you who look into and speak into our darkness. We approach you, and we try to approach boldly, because the curtain has been torn in two, and access has been granted. And yet we come with fear and trembling, because we know, O God, that you know. You know that we have failed to be an obedient church, We have not done Your will. We have not loved our neighbor. We have not heard the cry of the needy. We have not been good stewards of all creation. We confess to You our sin and our failure. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And we ask that this day, at this table, that we boldly approach, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on the gifts of bread and wine that are before us, that you would make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, Amen. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. Amen.